Nehemiah chapter 6. Last week we talked about uh, really the, um, the, the, the problems from within there in Jerusalem, that there were people that were in great distress financially. I mean, things were bad. Things got really bad. They had to mortgage their properties just to be able to eat. They had to mortgage their properties just to be able to pay their taxes. Things were really bad. And on top of that, what really angered in a righteous way, but what angered Nehemiah was the fact that there were those taking advantage and preying upon people's misfortunes. They would give them just super high interest loans that they knew they would never be able to pay back. And so what would happen was then they would take their property. They would take the very little that they had. And, and even their own family had to was sold into slavery to pay this debt. And, and Nehemiah, as a great leader, listened to the needs of the people. And Nehemiah confronted the situation and we see that Nehemiah even put his money where his mouth was and he was willing to sacrifice himself. He, 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 he didn't take advantage of certain things that he had the legal right to take advantage of being the governor because he cared about the needs of the people. And, and, and though he could have, though he was blessed in, in a financial way and could have even, even became richer and, and taken advantage of, of different opportunities that, that being in that position that he could have taken, he said, no, I fear God. Nehemiah feared God. Nehemiah loved the people that he was there working alongside with. And, and we just see that great uh, example here and that ultimately it was because Nehemiah wanted to glorify God. He feared God and so he wasn't going to use people to gain financial gain and to build his wealth. He was going to flip that around and use his wealth to be a blessing to people, to be a blessing to the work of God and the ministry that God had called him to do. So we're in chapter 6, and surprise, surprise, Sambala and Tobiah are showing up again. These guys throughout the whole book have just been relentless. They're, they, they don't like what's happening in Jerusalem. They don't like that there is a man that's come to seek the welfare of the Jews and that this city is being rebuilt so ultimately this wall can protect them from their enemies, ultimately so that the worship of God can take place in a meaningful and powerful way. Years before Ezra and Zerubbabel have come, they've rebuilt this temple. They're restoring the worship of God here in the city. And yet, though, the people are still in great distress. The wall was broken down. The enemies of God were coming in and, and taking advantage of them. And it was just a horrible situation. And so Nehemiah is burdened about this. Nehemiah, who is living in, uh, in, in Persia, goes to Artaxerxes, and God softens his heart and, and sends Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem to rebuild this wall. Now, Nehemiah is faced with opposition every step of the way, but the good hand of God is upon Nehemiah. Nehemiah is quick to give credit to the fact that God is with him, God has called him, and because he knew God had called him, he was going to be able to withstand, he was going to be able to persevere the opposition. We see here in chapter 6, it says, Now it came to pass, when Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall, it says, there was, and there was no breach, 
left there. And they had filled all the gaps. They had started to solidify this wall. And, and here's a progress report. He said, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. He's like, the wall was done. We just had to hang the doors and gates. It's almost completed. And when the enemies of God's people heard this, it angered them. Right? They tried to discourage the people of God. They tried to mock the people of God over and over again. And now they see, they hear that the wall is being completed and they're not happy about it. They're relentless. So then Samballot and Geshem, they sent unto me saying, come, let us meet together in some of the, one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. They wanted to do him harm. This was a trap. So they said, Nehemiah, they sent word to him, come meet in the plain of Ono. And Nehemiah's response is, oh no. I thought that was pretty funny as well. They're, they're, they're trying to lure him into this trap though. Their intention is not good. Their intention is to, to ambush him. They want to do him harm. And so they've, they've tried a lot of different tactics. They've tried to bully their way. They've tried to, to uh, discourage them through mockery, through intimidation. And none of it's working because Nehemiah is focused on what God has called him to do. So now they want to distract him. Oh, come down. We want to meet. We want to talk this through, right? It sounds like it's this, this positive thing that they want. It sounds like it's this, oh, Nehemiah, the, the noble thing to do, the right thing to do is to come and meet with them. I mean, after all, they, we just want to have this meeting and sort things out. But remember, they've already publicly attacked him. They can't be trusted. And, and, and sometimes that can happen where someone assassinates your character and they bring something. They don't come to you directly. They make it public. They broadcast this, whether it's through a social media platform or whether just gossiping or whether it's a, a group text that you're left out of. Ever, ever find out about that? Oh, this big group text and I'm not in it. Why? Because they're talking about me. Well, that's what these guys were doing. They had, already, they had already brought this publicly and now they're trying to act like they're the good guys. Oh, let's come and meet and talk about it privately. But the thing is, they can't be trusted. And Nehemiah knows this. Nehemiah has this discernment. He has this discernment. And, and, and this is what we need as believers is to have good judgment and discernment. And we're going to see this discernment is going to come from Nehemiah's walk with God and his time with God in prayer. And it's also going to come from him knowing the word of God. Because they're going to try to lure him in another trap to assassinate his character. But yet Nehemiah, it's not going to work. Because Nehemiah knows the word of God. And so it's a red flag even when a so-called self-professed prophet or man of God tells him something different. Nehemiah filters that through the word of God. He knows God's word. And Nehemiah is exercising discernment here. And this is what we need. Because a lot of times the enemy's attacks on us are traps. It's something that may seem good. It's something on the surface, it, it sounds good. And that's where we need judgment, good judgment. We need discernment. We need to walk with God in prayer. And we need to know the word of God. 
because our enemy is, is sly. He's, he, he, he's, he's trying to trap us. Nehemiah, we see this, he has this discernment. He says, I know that they're, they're thinking to do me harm. They're thinking to do mischief. They're up to no good. So Nehemiah sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Now, if you ever have gone through a series on Nehemiah or heard a sermon from Nehemiah, this is probably one of those key verses that you remember hearing. He says, I'm doing a good work and I cannot come down. Nehemiah is saying, listen, I'm doing what God's called me to do and I cannot be distracted. We see this focus. This focus comes because Nehemiah knew the calling of God on his life. Because Nehemiah knew that the work God had called him to do was an important, significant work. Because it was the work of God. He was fulfilling what God had put on his heart to do. He was fulfilling what God had called him to do. And because of that focus, Nehemiah was not going to be distracted. You know, there's a lot of things that could distract us from what God has called us to do. There's a lot of things that could distract us. And, and here's the thing. Some, this is where, why we need discernment. Because some of those things can seem and appear to be good things. But they're going to entrap us. That's exactly what they were trying to get Nehemiah to do. They were trying to get him, lure him away from the wall, lure him away from the protection because they wanted to ambush him. They wanted to destroy him. And sometimes those things, those that seem good, maybe in and of themselves they're not evil, but it could distract us from what God has called us to do and it could lead to an entrapment. It could lead to us not fulfilling what God has called us to do. And this is where we should pray every day for that wisdom and discernment. And this is when you know what God's called you to do. You have that razor sharp, just focus, that determination that you are going to do what God has called you to do. And nothing is going to distract you from that. You're not going to be lured into a distraction, lured into a trap. And this is what Nehemiah says, I'm doing a good work. So that I cannot come down. Now keep in mind, there were many reasons up to this point that Nehemiah and the people could have been discouraged. There were many reasons they could have just quit and given up. But there were far more better reasons for them to keep going. The wall was almost completed. Uh, they knew that this was a work of God that God had called them to do and enabled them to do. They knew this work was significant. And may maybe today you find yourself in a place of just discouragement. Maybe it's out of some fear. Maybe it's out of things just not going how you thought they would go. The twists and turns, the bumps in the road, the maybe confusion that has now come your way. And maybe you're at a point where it would be really easy to become discouraged. It'd be really easy to, to quit doing what you know God has called you to do and wants you to do. But there's far greater reasons to persevere. There's far greater reasons to press on. Discouragement is real. Fear is something that is real that all of us are going to have to face. But we, along with, like what Nehemiah did, we can find our strength. We can find our, our, our purpose and meaning 
in the good hand of God that's going to guide us and that, that is going to lead us. Nehemiah was not going to be distracted from the work God had called him to do. You and I cannot be distracted from what God has called us to do. Now, as believers, there's certain things like that all of us are called to do as believers. But I think even more specifically that God has put on your heart, God has put on my heart a calling and a purpose that we, that God is going to accomplish and fulfill in us and through us. And because we must know this, and when we do know this and have this razor sharp just focus on what God has called us to do, then we're going to be able to filter out a lot of things that could distract us. Because we've said yes to what God's called us to do, there's a lot of other things that we have to say no to. Because they're going to distract us. They're going to lure us away from really what our, our calling is. This happens all the time with churches. They get distracted. Doing a lot of good things. Doing a lot of things that are commendable. Nothing wrong with. But it's distracting them from actually making disciples. It, it, people aren't being saved. People aren't being baptized. But they're busy. Oh man, they're, they got a lot going on. I mean, you look at their, uh, their bulletin. I don't think I have one in my Bible. They got a lot of events going on. I mean, every night of the week there's something going on. But here's the question. Are we as a church making disciples? Not in our own effort and strength. That's a work of, of God. You heard Jerry's testimony. We didn't make that happen. That was a work of God, the Spirit of God working in, in Jerry's heart and life. But the question is this. As a church collectively, are we focused on what God's called us to do? Are you specifically focused on what God has called you to do? God's called me to pastor Cross Point Baptist, to, to preach the word of God, to plant churches in the Quad Cities. Now, under that, there's a lot of other things that, 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 that come into play with that, that. There's a lot of other things under that that are, are uh, part of the job description of that. But you know what? If I'm not careful, I could get distracted. Doing a whole lot of good things. And it's not just me, it's you too. Like everybody is, 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 is competing for our attention and our time and our effort. And here's the thing. If I said yes to every opportunity that came my way, I would be distracted from doing what God's called me to do. I would be distracted from realizing, okay, in making disciples, that first priority is my immediate family. I could get distracted from the time and attention and focus that I need to give to you as the congregation here at Crosspoint. If I said yes to every meeting and every opportunity outside of what God's called me to do, I would be like, you know, Saturday night at 9.30 p.m. Oh, where am I at tomorrow? And, you know, let me just throw something together for a sermon. Or, or, or if you reached out, hey, pastor, can we meet? Can we talk? And, oh, let me see my calendar uh, four months from now, we can get together. What day is good? Right. And I could be distracted from what God has actually called me to do if I said yes to a whole lot of other things that may not even be evil or, or wrong. Right. So this is a practical application here. Obviously here, their, their intention was to do Nehemiah harm and evil. It wasn't a good thing, but it seemingly was. And so I ask you this, are you focused on what God has called you to do? If you're focused on what God has called you to do, that means there's a lot of other opportunities that you may have to say no to. There's a lot of other things that nothing wrong with them, 
but you might have to say no to to accomplish what God has called you to do. Now, look, I love saying yes to opportunities that I can say yes to because I love doing ministry outside of these four walls. I want to be with people that don't know the Lord, and I want to intentionally spend time uh, with people so that I can be a witness, so that I can be a light. But I don't want to be distracted from what God has called me to do. And you can't be distracted from what God has called you to do. Nehemiah is focused. They're relentless, though. It says, they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. No, 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 no. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. My answer is the same. You see this resolve. You see this determination. You see this steadfastness in the heart and the life of Nehemiah. Why? Because he's focused on his calling from God. He, he's focused upon the significance of the work that God has called him to do. So he's not going to be distracted from what God has called him to do. Then sent Samballot, his servant, unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. So now they're going to escalate this. They're angry that, that Nehemiah is not responding to this. And be, be aware. Be aware of evil, sinister people that are just really, really pushy. That they're just demanding, right? This is, how these, this is how these bullies operate. They're just pushy. They don't take no for an answer. And they try to intimidate. They try to act and get people to be afraid. They, they just, they're, they're pushy. And with those people, you have to set boundaries in your life. Because they're going to harm you. They're going to hurt you. Nehemiah says, nope. I'm not coming down. I am focused on what God has called me to do. So now Sanballat is going to send an open letter. So when, so Sanballat was a governor. So when an official would send a letter, they would seal that letter. They would put their ring or some kind of seal. They dip it in wax. They would seal that letter shut. And it was with their seal. So the, the, the courier that would take this letter, it was of utmost importance that that, wasn't, that seal wasn't broken. If someone got the letter and they saw that letter had been opened, that seal was broken, they would know someone read this. Someone, uh, there, there's some kind of sinister plot here. Maybe they changed it or, 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 or maybe other people that weren't supposed to see it may have fallen into the wrong hands. Well, Samballad is purposely going to send this open letter to try to intimidate Nehemiah and to try to cause him to be afraid. So Samballad sends this open letter and he says, wherein it was written in this letter, it is reported among the heathen, and Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, let us take counsel together. So now they're, they're, they're lying about him. This is character assassination. They are just straight up making up lies that, oh, Nehemiah wants to be king. And so Samballat's sending this open letter and so when it gets to Nehemiah, he sees this letter has been opened and read. That everybody from Samaria to Jerusalem 
has read this, and, and their purpose is to cause fear in Nehemiah, thinking, man, my, my character has been, been destroyed. How many people have read this? How many people are going to believe this? And they, what they're trying to do is cause fear. They're trying to lie about what his intentions are. They're now attacking his character personally. They're attacking his motives personally. And it's all lies. And they even throw in there, Gash, Gashmu saith it. So it says it's reported among the heathen. In other words, hey, a lot of people are saying this. Now they only name one person. Oh yeah, Gashmu. Now we have no earthly idea who this is. Some people uh, thought it was Geshem, but it's actually a different person than Geshem. Gashmu, this, we don't know who this dude is, but oh, Gashmu saith it. So it, it's like one of those things, I just picture it like this. Hey, a lot of people have said this about you. A lot of people think this. A lot of people agree with me on the, oh, well, well, like who? And then they, like, they're like scrambling to come up with a name. Like, yeah, uh, a lot of people, and you know, Gashmu, he says it too. Like they name one person. They're assassinating his character, and their purpose is to cause fear. You ever been there? Find out people are talking about you. They're saying things that are untrue. Maybe it's out of jealousy. Maybe it's just out of a misunderstanding. But regardless, what can happen is that fear creeps in of, what do people think? How many people have they been talking to? This, these aren't true things. But how many people believe it's true? And what can happen is fear can creep in. That anxiety of how many, what do people truly think about me? Now again, a true friend, if they hear it, they're going to come directly to you. Amen? They're going to come, hey, this is what they said and, and I just want to, I want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. What's going on? But that fear can creep in. And that's exactly what they're trying to do to Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, I love his response. Nehemiah says, you guys are fake news, right? That's exactly what he says. He says, you guys are fake news. He says, there are no such things done as thou sayest. He's like, you're faking this. This is, this is fake. It's coming out of your own heart. He's like, in other words, you're just making this up. This is all fake. It's not true. He says, for they... All made us afraid, saying, their hands shall be weakened from the work that it be not done. And I love this. Nehemiah, his prayer, oh God, strengthen my hands. God, give me strength. When you feel that anxiety coming in, God, give me strength right now. God, help me right now. When that temptation for that addiction, it comes, God, strengthen my hands. When people are talking about you or lying about you, when you feel afraid or confused, God, strengthen my hands. When there's a situation that you know is way beyond your control, God, strengthen my hands. This is what is Nehemiah's source of strength. It comes from God. This gives him that focus. This gives him this faithfulness, this courage, this steadfastness of knowing that the hand of God is with him. And that he says, God, strengthen my hands hands. You know, when you feel that pressure weighing down on you, when you feel bombarded, pray, God, strengthen me. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying and asking that God would eliminate the situation or take you out of something. 
or, or, or remove that obstacle. In fact, Nehemiah kind of does that at times. He's really praying. In fact, we're going to see in verse 14, he's like, God, deal with these guys. God, you take care of these guys. There's nothing wrong with praying that God would change a situation, that God would soften a heart, or that God would remove you out of a situation that you'd rather not be in. There's nothing wrong with praying God to miraculously intervene on my behalf. And God may do that. God can do that. But sometimes the prayer is, God, just give me strength to walk through this valley. That's where some of you are now. It doesn't seem like God's going to just pull you out of the situation. It doesn't seem like God's just going to remove the obstacle. But God's going to strengthen you. He's going to strengthen me to walk through it with him, with the good hand of God upon us. This is his response. It's once again of prayer. Now the plot becomes more sinister. Sanballat and Tobiah have infiltrated more people than Nehemiah realizes. They've bribed and they've paid off a fake prophet. They've, this, guy is, this guy has been turned by Sanballat and Tobiah. So he says, afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of, of Mehedabiel, who was shut up. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us shut the doors of the temple. For they're not going to, he says, they're not going to come in here to, to kill you. They're not going to come to slay you. He says, in, in the night, he says, in the night will they come to, to kill you. In other words, he's saying, Nehemiah, you got to come in the temple here. Let's barricade ourselves in because they're coming for you. They're coming after you. They're going to come in the night to kill you. They won't come in here. Let's come in here. Once again, this is a trap. This is this is a, a so-called prophet who's been bribed. He's been bought by Sanballat and Tobiah. This isn't a prophet of God at all. Because a true man of God is not someone that is going to change their message based on what someone else tells them. Or based on what their gain is from this. And we've got plenty of that today. Too many pastors that they change their message based upon what they can gain from it. Well, this is nothing new. This is what's happening here. The, this, Shemaiah has been bought. He's been turned by Sambalat and Tobiah. They've bribed him. He does not have Nehemiah's best intention at, at heart. He wants to bring him in and lure him into this trap because he knows this, that they're going to tarnish his reputation. If he comes into the temple, Nehemiah is not supposed to go into the temple. Only the priests can go in there. Now, he could go to the temple courts. But what they want to do is, out of fear, they want him to make a bad decision. And then hurt him with that decision. Be very, very careful when you're, when you're making decisions. When you're battling heavy anxiety. When you're afraid. When you're angry. When you're frustrated. Those are the times... And yes, I know this from experience. We make the worst choices. Our, our judgment's clouded. We, we make foolish decisions. And that's why we need people, godly people in our life that can speak into us. And that's why we, like Nehemiah, need to know God's word. Nehemiah knew this was not something he should do. And I love his response. Because it's both bold, but also there's humility. Nehemiah says this. He says, in verse 11, I said, should such a man as I flee? He's like, 
I'm not running from these guys. I'm not, a, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be afraid of Sam Ballin and Tobiah and the, like, hey, we're ready. And, and I love this because it's not like this, this tough guy, like, oh, just like looking for a fight and trying to antagonize people to pick a fight. That's not Nehemiah. But Nehemiah is also saying, look, I'm not afraid. I'm not running from these guys. We're ready and we're prepared. We're working and yet we also got our sword by our side. I am not going to run from these guys. I'm not afraid of these guys. I'm not going to be intimidated by these guys. They're trying to cause me to be afraid. They're trying to cause fear to come in. So I have a, lap, a, a lapse in judgment. But he says, it's not going to work. I'm not afraid of them. I love that boldness. But at the same time, that humility. Nehemiah says, who, who am I? I? I'm not a priest. I have no, I have no right to come into this part of, of the temple. How does Nehemiah know this? Well, he knows God's word. He knows God's word. So he's not going to be lured into their trap. They want to ruin his reputation. They want him to make a foolish decision out of fear and anxiety that's going to later hurt him. And I appreciate this advice from, from many of you just in the last few months have said, Joel, be careful. You know, Satan wants to destroy you. Satan wants to come after you when you're going through difficulty, when you're going through anxiety, when you're going through this time. Be careful because it's a, lap, a lapse in judgment that Satan could use to destroy you and harm you. And here's the thing. It's no different for me than for, for you. It's the same thing. Some of the things you're going through right now, the difficulties, what Satan wants to do is there to be a lapse in judgment and out of fear, out of anxiety, out of depression, make a decision that's going to harm you down the road. And it's not going to work though, because once again, Nehemiah has this discernment that comes from knowing God's word and being, being confirmed, affirmed. In the call of God on his life. That God has called you and me for a work that is significant. Because any work for God is significant. If you are a follower of Christ. If you know the Lord as your Savior. That God has a glorious purpose for your life. A plan for your life. And it's not going to be an easy road. It's not, it's not going to be a smooth road. It's going to probably be a difficult road. But a road that's worth pursuing and following. If you're following God's will for your life. If you are following God's calling on your life. Don't be distracted. Don't have a lapse in judgment if fear and anxiety come in along the way. They want to destroy him. They want to ruin his reputation. But Nehemiah is focused on what God has called him to do. It says that he says there, therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so in sin that they might after this matter have for an evil, re evil report that they might reproach me. It's like they're trying to use this against me. They're trying to get something on me because then that could destroy my credibility in everything else. Now that's not fair, but a lot of times... That's just how things are. Like, oh man, maybe somebody gets something on you. Now, once again, look, all of us are sinners saved by the grace of God. Amen. You want to get something on me, you probably don't have to look too hard. I've got a lot of faults and failures. What we're talking about here is a major decision. A major decision that could hurt your credibility 
and really your testimony for Christ. Don't let Satan deceive you. Don't let the enemy trick you. Don't make a decision out of anxiety. Don't make a decision out of discouragement. He says, my God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sambalat according to these their works and on, on uh, the prophetess Noida and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. See, it's more than just one or two. Sambalat and Tobiah have infiltrated a whole bunch of people there in Jerusalem. Satan's trying to get a foothold in. He's trying to discourage Nehemiah and the people. Why? Because the work was almost finished, but it didn't work. He said, so the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month Elul in, the, in 50 and 2 days. Wow. They finished the work that God had called them to do. Nehemiah was firm in his calling. He knew what God had called him to do. He knew what God's purpose was for him. There was a lot of enemies, a lot of opposition. A lot of times he could have been discouraged. A lot of times that fear could have crept in, but yet he persevered. He endured. He pressed on because he knew the significance of the calling of God upon his life. And the wall was completed. Just so you know, the book's not over. It's not done yet. It's not done yet. But it's where we will conclude today. We've got a fun chapter in chapter 7. We'll finish chapter 6, believe it or not. Next week, we'll finish chapter 6 and go through all of chapter 7. 73 verses. Please show up, all right, and um, drink some extra coffee. And hope you're not in a hurry next Sunday. But what do we do with this? We see just this perseverance of Nehemiah. We see just this endurance through difficult times and hard times. And like I've said often, right? Like God has not called you and I to physically go build a wall in Jerusalem. But God does have a purpose and a calling on our life. God has something that he wants you to accomplish. Now, again, collectively as a church and just generally speaking as Christians... We know through God's word, there's certain things God has called us to do, to be a witness, to, to be a light, to, to, to preach the gospel, to share the gospel, to live a holy life that's pleasing to God, to live a life for ultimately the glory of God. And how that works out in your everyday life and mine could look a, a little bit different, right? There's some things we know as Christians we're all called to do, but there's some specific places God's put you. There's specific people in your life that God has put you and put in your life. And you and I must follow and complete the work God has called us to do. And it's going to be through his good hand. It's going to be in spite of our failures and weaknesses. Because the hand of God is going to guide us. But we can't be distracted. We can't let fear stop us. We can't let doubt stop us. We can't let distractions stop us. We can't let others stop us. If you are following and submitting to God's word and the Holy Spirit guiding you, you are doing a great work for God. Don't stop. Be faithful. Be determined. But make no mistake about it, that when God calls you and me to build something, we have an enemy that wants to, to hinder that work. We have an enemy that wants to destroy it and tear it down. So be vigilant. Filter your mind through the word of God and through prayer daily. 
every week make it a habit to be with the people of God so you can have encouragement, so that you can have accountability with the people of God. You can have brothers and sisters that can encourage you and help you. It's just, it's vital because Satan wants to distract us. Our enemy wants to lure us away from the calling of God upon our life, but it will not work. Do not let the enemy stop you, discourage you, or cause you to be afraid.